do. We don't care who listening and who not listening. What's going on, everybody? Welcome to another episode of El Pacerpado. It is good to be back on the mic. It's been a couple weeks since I recorded my last episode where I've been doing uh, player recaps, which has been fun. Spending a little bit of time thinking about each player. Um, it's kind of cool. Well, if you're a super nerd like me, it's kind of cool. I've started my own spreadsheets now where each player has their own spreadsheet and so i got certain things that i'm keeping track of for each player very nerdy um but i love it and i love uh i love filling in the in filling in the criteria that i create um so it's just really cool to look at the players uh individually and take time to think about them think about you know how is their season um do I like the player? Do I want the player to be on the team next year? So anyways, I've got more more of those today. I'm going to do Doug McDermott and then a bunch of guys who the questions. Well, I'm going to do McDermott and then guys who we don't know if they're going to be back on the team next year or not, like Tyreek, Corey Joseph, Darren Carlson, and Wesley Matthews. But um, yeah, so. It, this doing the do like doing this like player analysis reminds me of when I was a kid. I used to do this thing where I'd have all my basketball cards, and before I go to bed, I would like randomly draw out ten cards, or maybe I sometimes. I mean, I'd get crazy. Seriously, I, sometimes I get crazy. Sometimes I draw out thirty. I'd lay out thirty cards, and I'd do a draft. Um, and I would I would I would I would put each like you know I draft players to build a team, and then I'd. Then I look at the back and I'd add up the stats for each player, and then you know you'd see what team you drafted would beat the other team just based off the stats alone. So I mean, this is something I've been doing for a while. That was probably I'm trying to think when the when I when I first really got into basketball, it was like six, seven, eight years old. I remember I had I had a dream team T-shirt. So this would have been like ninety. Well, that would have been 92, would have been when the shirt was made. I don't know if I had it. At 92, I would have been six years old. So, yeah, that timeline matches. Um, but, my God, I just thought I thought basketball was so cool. And it was because I, I had an uncle who was only eight years older than me. So, at this time, he probably would have been 15, 16 years old. And this dude could dunk. Um, he could dunk the basketball. He was probably six foot four, six foot five. Right now, I think he's 6'5", but like at that time, you know, when I was a kid falling in love with basketball, he was tall, he was, uh, he could dunk the basketball, I just remember, and he was, he was really good at playing basketball, at least to me, I thought he was really good, and uh, he was really into basketball, really into David Robinson, I had a cousin who was really into basketball, we used to nerd out together, like, uh, I remember playing, I think we played NBA Jam on Super Nintendo for probably, like, each person, like, it's like we played 15 different games. So you get, we drafted all the teams. So now you know that. 
and it's just you know it's just that's the thing it's like it's i guess that's why how you know you love something right whenever it sounds crazy what you what you like about it but uh so i, I like building spreadsheets for individual players and so i've got uh i've got some players i'm going to talk about um it's an exciting time of the year so it's like the you know the, i don't know if I haven't been on the pod as much recently, but I've been watching the playoffs. The finals are going on. We, um, Toronto just went up three to one against Golden State, and you got the draft that's a couple weeks away, and then free agency, which is a couple weeks away. Or you know, I think the draft's in two weeks, and free agency is maybe in three or four weeks. It's um, just an exciting time of year for things to change, and obviously the Pacers have a lot of change coming up this year, or. Maybe it won't be as much change as as it, it's 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 really wide open. I mean, how many of these guys are we going to bring back? Um, but for today's episode, I'm going to start with one of the guys who were not that we, who's definitely going to be on the team next year, and that's Douglas Richard McDermott. Yes, his middle name is Richard. Um, Dougie McDermott is. You know, he was a really, really, really good college basketball player. He won the Naismith Award, Big East Player of the Year, the Wooden Award. His dad was the coach. He went to Creighton, averaged 26 points a game. He was a stud coming out of college, six foot eight. He played, if I remember right, I, I mean, he was obviously a knockdown shooter from three even. But he also, with that six eight frame, played a lot, a lot more down in the post. Um, in his time in the NBA, you know, he hasn't really found um, any sort of, uh, what's the word I'm looking for there? You know, like he hasn't been, he, stability, that's what it is. So this was his first year. So this is this was McDermott's fifth year in the league, and his fifth team was the Indiana Pacers. So, you know, we've signed him to a three-year deal, so we got two more years with him. Um, and... I'm excited really about McDermott, not to, not to, not to give it all away too soon, but you know, I, he didn't have the best season, but when you look at it, I think it's something that we can work with and he's got good size. I think I'd like to see him play maybe a little bit more like of a stretch four type position. Um, but, but actually more, more than that, the, the most important thing um, when I look at a guy like McDermott is can he b bring his shooting to can he take a shooting to an elite level i'm talking like uh joe harris with brooklyn i mean one of those guys that's just like uh knocked down guarantee he's going to shoot like over 45 percent from three um he could be like a 50 40 90 guy um to me i think that's what mcdermott has to has to um develop into for me to to want him on our team um because he just doesn't, he doesn't really bring anything else. Like, you know, what I've got here, he's an efficient shooter, which he is. I mean, over his five-year career, he's averaging over 50% from the field, 40% from three, and 82.5% from the free throw line. And he is a good free throw shooter, too. I just think he's not, I don't know. I'm just giving him a pass for some reason. Like, he's just been bouncing around from team to team, coach to coach, system to system, city to city. And... He finally got a contract. Well, he got his first contract because he was, I didn't mention this, but McDermott was the 11th. He was a lottery pick back in 2014. The Nuggets 
The Nuggets drafted him, but I think they traded him immediately to Chicago. Um, but, you know, he's still a young guy, born in 92, so that makes him, what, um, 27 right now? I think, Mc, I, I think McDermott is somebody that could, can help the Pacers next year if he gets better in the offseason at hitting shots. He definitely takes wide open shots, but I just felt like this year there were a lot of times when he missed those shots that it was just like a big buzzkill when he missed three pointers. I don't know um, why it just, but it was just like, okay, dude, the only thing you do is hit threes. And so whenever, whenever we're making a run and you get a good look at a three and you shoot it, I get really, I, I want that, I want that shot to go in. And this year it was just like, ah, you're missing just a little too many. Like, yeah, he had times this year that you're like, fuck yeah. I love, I love McDermott. He had those two games. Um, he had two game, back-to-back 21-point games uh, that, that you were, like, loving. I love the fact that he, uh, he had some really good cuts this year. Like, he seemed to be on the receiving end of, like, a, a backdoor Sabonis perfect pass right to McDermott for, like, a dunk or an easy layup. Uh, but really, that was about all McDermott was, was giving us this year, I thought. I mean... He was a knockdown three-point shooter. I'd like to see him get better. He was really good at cutting, moving without the ball. He puts a lot of pressure on the defense, creates space. Uh, so I think there's value to McDermott. I, I, I wouldn't necessarily... I don't love McDermott. I don't think McDermott is necessarily someone who would um, be good enough to contribute on a finals team. Um, but I think I think he still could. I mean, if he... If his shooting develops into that, like, next level stuff, so um, what did I, I find that was interesting? So, okay, well, let me just, okay. So, pros for McDermott, his good shooting um, and good at cutting, his cons, he doesn't do, I don't think he really does anything good on defense. I don't remember anything. I don't remember necessarily any plays. When you look at his stats, he definitely doesn't get any steals or blocks. When he misses a three-pointer, it's a buzzkill. And like I just mentioned, no blocks, no steals, no assists. When you're looking at the box score, you're looking at McDermott. And, and, and you kind of think, I feel this way too whenever you're watching the game. He's really not bringing much to the table besides just knocking down open shots or doing those back cuts and getting easy layups. Just basically, he's an offensive weapon. And he's good. He's def- like That's why he's got a contract. Um, but I just wonder, you know, can he add more to his game or... Is he just basically bound to be a, a shooter? And if he is, that's fine for the amount of money that the Pacers are p- paying him, right? Twenty three years, twenty one million, so just over seven million a year. Um, you just got to be really, really, really good at shooting if we're going to pay you that much, and you're not going to do anything else, in my opinion. So, for Doug McDermott, two thousand eighteen nineteen takeaways. He was solid in the regular season. And it was really rough in the playoffs. And that's what's leaving me with the bad taste um, on the season and with McDermott. So it, I was I was glad that I was able to kind of, now that we're not just right off of the playoffs, I can kind of look at McDermott's season uh, from with a little bit of space in between it and shake off that playoff stank that he, that he left. It's like he farted all over uh, the playoffs. McDermott just... He made it look like there was no way he could ever play. 
Um, he, his shot was not falling. So like in the playoffs, he shot two of 10 from the field. Obviously the Pacers got swept by Boston. So you're talking potentially four playoffs game, four playoff games um, in McDermott. And this is with a team without Victor Oladipo, granted. So like if Oladipo is on the roster right now, I mean, McDermott probably still would have played because we would never would have had Wesley Matthews, but um, just like this would have been a time for McDermott to show what he could do. And he, he really did not do that in the playoffs against Boston. He was two of 10, but once again, very small sample size, only 10 field goals. O of seven from the three point line. He got 12 minutes in the first game, 11 minutes in the second game, four minutes in the third game and a big fat DNP in the final game against Boston. Uh, so that hurts. Um, it's hard to make a case for McDermott whenever he plays like that in the playoffs. But that's why I want to give him some grace. And I want to say, like, all right, this is his, this was his first year with the Pacers. We still got two more years. He showed us signs that he could be um, like an eight, ninth man off of a team on a really good team, which I think the Pacers are destined to be. Um, but it was a bad, it was bad. His performance in playoffs was really bad. And um, that's really where what matters, especially when you're watching the finals right now and you're seeing like, oh, it matters like who can actually play in the playoffs. There's, um, but you do need guys to score points all throughout the season. So even if McDermott's not a rotational player, well, if that's, the, if he's not gonna be in the on the rotation in the playoffs, um, why would we pay him seven million a year? So I don't know. We'll see. I, I'm I'm not selling all my all my um, McDermott stock. So, um, but basically, when you look at it, this year for McDermott, 17 minutes a game, he averaged seven points. He shot just over 40 percent from the three point line. Uh, one of the things I remember from this season was that he shot a lot better on the road than he did at home. Um, maybe that's because he's just used to be. He's just lived all over the place. I don't know. Um, but he was 17th in the NBA in three-point field goal percentage. So this is this is what I mean by uh, McDermott being an efficient shooter. So there is definitely a place, especially if we lose out on Bogdanovich next year, who was super good at doing these things. Um, but I found an interesting stat. So looking at three-point field goal percentage for the for the entire NBA season, um, there were 30 guys in the NBA, so 130th of the league, shot 40% or more from the three-point line. Now, there are guys that are really good three-point shooters who don't shoot 40%, and that's because they take really difficult, or they take a lot of harder, like more challenging three-point shots. And and there are guys that are that shoot like 42%, um, but they just, all they do is shoot wide open three. So it's like, just because you shoot over 40% doesn't necessarily mean that you're a better three-point shooter than someone who shoots 38 or 39. It's just your, your efficiency when you shoot. And McDermott did that. He was seven. So 30 guys in the league shoot 40% or more. McDermott ranked 17th. Um, it just so happened that Darren Collison was 18th. And then Bojan Bogdanovich was actually 12th. So the Pacers had three out of the top 30 uh, three-point field goal percentage shooters on the team. Uh, the more you know. And what else about McDermott? You know, I think I've said probably all there is to say. He's a good shooter. 
Um, but like, my takeaway from this year is how can McDermott be elite? And then what, like, what can he do on the court when his shot's not falling? Like, can he figure out a way to maybe use that, that body down low to get some more rebounding maybe, or, um, it's just hard to see too. Cause it's like, I don't think so, man. I think he's, I don't, I think he just is a, is a shooter and that's it. So I don't know. We'll see though. I, I'm hopeful. Um, looking ahead to the next season, obviously McDermott's on contract. Um, I'm excited to see, you know, what it's going to be like for him to have a year, a solid year, like, so a training camp, an entire season with one team, like he did last year with the Pacers. And then going into next year, you know, another training camp with the same team in the same city, in the same place, same coaching staff, same teammates. Like, is this going to be good for McDermott? Like, is this, could this be the year that he um, adds something to his game? I mean, he's, he's at that perfect age. He's entering into his prime. You know, he's probably 20, what I say, he was... Born in 92, so 27. Yeah, he just turned 27 uh, back in January. So, you know, we're looking at year 28, 29. This is exactly what you want. Um, see what some stability does for him. Uh, can, he be, can he become that elite clutch shooter that the Pacers need um, off the bench? And can he find something that he can do if the shot's not falling? Those are my two biggest questions with McDermott. Um, right now, I would be buying all the stock of McDermott that was at discount. So people who are frustrated with McDermott, people who think he'll never be able to contribute um, to the Pacers and that they should trade him, I will I will buy your stock 50 cents on the dollar right now for McDermott. I'm not I'm not sold on McDermott. I think there's a I, I you know he's definitely not a guy to me he's just he made an average mark on me this season, but I see potential. Um, I want him to succeed in Indianapolis. I like the fact that he could bring us like, you know, if he could get his three point shooting up to like 45% uh, and bring that off the bench for 10 to 15 minutes a game, carry us during the regular season a little bit, you know, with some scoring punch. I'll take that, man. I'll take that. Um, yeah. So that's McDermott. Uh, let's see who we want to do next here. I got four more guys. Uh, I'm going to start Start with the one that I like the most here. So I'm going to talk about Corey Joseph, then Darren Collison, Tyreek, and Wesley Matthews. So Corey Joseph um, was one of my favorite Pacer players this year. Um, he, this is, was his second year with the Pacers, second year playing all 82 games. Uh, Corey Joseph is an NBA champion. He, he won with the San Antonio Spurs back in 2014. Uh, the, the year that Kawhi kind of made his mark on the league, which he's doing again right now. Uh, Corey Joseph is from Toronto. Uh, he was the 29th pick back in 2011. So, you know, this, the Spurs got him. He's a typical Spurs player um, where no one, you know, everyone passes up on him. He goes to the Spurs, makes a mark, and then he gets able to make a, a good living after that. But uh Nickname Kojo, six foot three. What I love about Kojo is perimeter defense, toughness, aggressiveness, activity. He's always moving. Um, to me, he's one of the toughest guys that the Pacers had. 
He always brought it as far as defensive pressure. Uh, he's physical for a guard. He's got decent size for a guard. Uh, I'm just a huge Corey Joseph fan. I was, I, I know uh, there were lots of times during this past season that I, I wish that the Pacers would have made the switch to, to start Corey Joseph over Darren Collison. Um, that's how much, I mean, I, just, I mean, I don't love Darren Collison, so that's not saying a whole lot about um, Joseph, but I just, I just, I just liked Corey Joseph's game over Darren Collison's this past year. Um, even though, you know, one of the biggest things with Corey Joseph that, that he struggles with is his shooting. He is three point shooting, talking low 30%, uh, free throw shooting under 70%. So that was rough, but what he brought to the team as far as defensive pressure, um, decision-making, he had a really, he didn't turn the ball over very much. He had a four to one assist to turnover ratio, meaning like, I think that's actually what he averaged. It was like four assists a game, one turnover. I mentioned the durability, played all 82 games. I just don't think there's a better backup point guard. Like, I would put Corey Joseph. Um, now, Fred Van Vliet's playing so good lately that he's probably, you know, got more value than Corey Joseph. But to me, he's right up there. Like, if Corey Joseph is your backup point guard and he can run your second unit, or not even necessarily run your second unit, but just play off that second unit. I actually like him with, um, I don't know. He's he's just he's one of my favorite players that the Pacers had this year. Takeaways from this year, uh, obviously he can lock down almost any guy um, on the perimeter. I mean, elite players like Kyrie or Steph or Harden or I don't know, like maybe like super athletic guys, like they're not going to be able to. Um, Kojo's not gonna be able to keep the keep, stay stay between them and the basket, but basically everybody else he does he does well with, and it's nice for the Pacers when that when we have somebody that's out there on the front lines putting pressure on the ball. Uh, it helps with the defense. Um, like I, I think I said this earlier, but he was just one of my favorite guys to root for. I was always always on kind of his team rather than Darren Collison's. Even though I like, you know, DC's got a lot of good stuff that he brings. And ultimately, he's probably the better player um, than, than Corey Joseph. But I just I just like Corey Joseph. He just seemed like an awesome guy to be uh, on your team. Just from, like, the interviews and just his body language out there on the court, the way he interacted with the players. Like, he was always one of the first guys to come, you know, grab somebody's hand and pick them up off the floor or just whatever. He just always seemed uh, to be invested into uh, the Pacers season and yeah he struggled to shoot the ball a little bit but he just does so many other things that he was still one of the the bright spots to me uh, from this season was Corey Joseph um looking to next season I, the first question is you know is he going to be on the team and I I don't know that's really hard to to uh obviously nobody knows at this point but I look at the Pacers free agency. I want them to definitely not bring back everybody more so bring back, but I don't want them to completely lose the culture that we had and, and shift to like a, a totally different culture. Like I, th I think you want to keep the guys who really, um, what's the word exuberate the, the toughness, togetherness, trust. And to me, Corey Joseph's that guy. And I think he's, 
it's just hard. I don't know what they what they're going to do at point guard. Like, is Aaron Holiday going to be able to play? Uh, because if not, it's just it's like, are the Pacers going to be able to bring in a starting point guard caliber player, or are we going to go into next season with like Corey Joseph and Aaron Holiday? And then I'm like, I'm like, I'm okay with that. Like, as long as Corey's okay with Holiday um, having an opportunity to show what he can do. Um, I've got, I, I'm, I, I don't know if I, holiday, I'm not ready to give the start, the keys to, and, and say, all right, our, our starting point guard next year is Aaron holiday. I'm like, oh shit, I'm not going to feel good about that. Um, he needs, he needs some more experience. I'd be okay if it was Corey Joseph. Um, but obviously I'm hoping for more, but we'll see. That's, that's, that's more of a free agency talk. Um, but I would be cool with the Pacers bringing Corey Joseph back. I just don't think it's probably going to happen because there are other teams looking at him. I, I saw a rumor that um, the Phoenix Suns are interested in Corey Joseph and they'll probably willing to pay him more than what I think the Pacers should be. Uh, but I would like to see Corey Joseph back ultimately. Um, if you could get him for like the same type of contract you got McDermott on, like a three year, seven mil or something, um, that'd be cool. I don't want to see too much turnover on this team and Corey Joseph's young. He's a, he's, he's an NBA champion. Uh, he's relatively young, right? Like, okay, so born 91, uh, which would mean he'll be, he'll be 28 in August. So another guy right into his prime, like, all right, let's bring back Corey Joseph. He, he fits right along with Corey, Mc, or Corey McDermott, Doug McDermott. Um, so yeah, I like to see Corey Joseph back. Uh, so what I'm, what my position is right now, I'm holding all my Corey Joseph stock. I, uh, cause I'm not in the mood to buy it and I like him too much to sell it. So I'm just going to hold it and see what happens. I think there's a role that I think he could, he could play a role, um, on the Pacers in the playoffs next season as a backup point guard. It's, it's all about, uh, it's just hard with Aaron holiday. And then I don't know, can we go get a big guy like Conley or, um, I, I don't know, but that's what I'm going to leave. That's what I'm going to say about Corey Joseph. Um, let's go into the other, the guy that I was always comparing Corey Joseph to this past year, which would be Darren Collison. Entering the season, Collison was the oldest guy on the Pacers. Um, he's older or younger than me, which I, cause I remember at the start of the season, I was like, I would be the oldest guy on the Pacers. Like shit. Uh, it wasn't until they signed Wesley Matthews that um, he took over that role. But yeah, so Darren Collison, you know, 21st pick back in 2019 or 2009, pardon me. He's 30, he'll be 32 years old going into next season. Um, not a necessarily large guard, six foot, rather slender in frame. Uh, made a lot of his money based off the fact that he's quick as hell. Uh, he's a really good shooter and good playmaker, but at 32 years old, I mean, that stuff starts to be harder and harder to be elite at as the guards get younger and younger. And I want, I really want no part of Darren Collison next year. Like I let's let him go. I don't even want to bring him back at like the worst case scenario for me would be if we bring back Darren Collison and he's our starting point guard next year. 
of all the free agency moves that could happen, that would just be the worst. I wouldn't mind Collison as a backup, but I just would rather have Corey Joseph and still what do you do about Aaron Holiday? So I just think, you know, and to me, Collison was one of my least favorite players to root for this year. Like, I love the fact that he um, was a knockdown shooter. I love his swagger and his confidence. Um, he was very, like, sometimes he was, like, really into the game and he was bringing that toughness. But then I felt like other times he wasn't necessarily into it as much. He seemed to be a little bit frustrated at points during the season. Um I don't know. I just think it's time to set, to, 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 to say farewell to, to Collison. And I'm okay with that. It was, it was a good run. 28-18-19 was good. Collison was one of our better players. Um, definitely one of our most consistent players. Uh, he had some really good plays. Like I, He had that highlight play against Phoenix where he put number one draft pick DeAndre Ayton on his, on his ass. I don't know if you guys remember that. I was watching some highlights of Collison and I was like, oh, I remember that one when that happened. He had a 17 assist game. Um, I don't remember who it was against, but basically, you know, he had some highlights this year and he averaged 12 points a game, five assists. He was one of our guys averaging double figures, which I think we had. I need to look that up, but probably at least six or seven guys averaged double figures this year for the Pacers. Um, no one that I've covered yet has because McDermott was at seven. I know Corey Joseph wasn't over 10. And Holiday Johnson, yeah, no. So, um, Collison was one of the guys averaging ten. He just didn't really move the needle for me this year, and I'm ready. If it were up to me, I'd be ready for a change at starting point guard. Like, I would rather, I would even rather just say, hey, we're gonna give it to Aaron Holiday and see what we got here, um, rather than give it back to Darren Collison and pay him eight to twelve million dollars a year to just be at the very very tail end of starting point guards even though holiday would be even worse um i just don't i just i would just be rather i, I don't want i don't want to see collison next year that, that's what i ask um looking into next year i say team needs to try something new at point guard um I love the fact that he's a really good shooter, so I wouldn't necessarily hate the fact that they brought him back, depending on, like, if Corey Joseph goes and they whiff on a starter, like, or if they, no, I shouldn't say whiff, like, um, I know anything, but let's say they don't bring in a, someone who you know is going to start next year. Uh, I wouldn't necessarily hate it if they brought Collison back with the expectation that he's going to be the mentor to Aaron Holiday, but I just don't see that really happening, and I don't think Holiday, I don't think uh, Collison wants to be a backup. I think he still wants to be a starter, and that's cool. So uh, with 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 Darren Collison, it's fine. Um, not much else to say. I'm selling all my. I sold. I've already sold my stock on Collison. I'm done with him. Um, up next, we've got. Uh, Former Rookie of the Year, first year and only year on the Indiana Pacers, the um, the Lance Stevenson Improvement Pre Improvement Project. Who I would say that's a, I would say that probably is true. Um, unfortunately, we you know we didn't have Oladipo, so um, 
we really didn't get to use this guy in the uh, the role that we wanted. Uh, but Tyreek Evans had one season with the Pacers. Um, Tyreek is a is a very special player. He was one of the he's a blue chipper. He was the fourth fourth pick in the two thousand nine draft. Uh, he'll be thirty years old in September. So still, you know, he's kind of on the mid to tail end of his prime. Like I mentioned, he Tyreek's got good size, six foot six. Uh, he's he was rookie of the year uh, for, for Sacramento. He's averaged over twenty points a game multiple times in his career. Uh, when I look at Tyreek, pros, playmaking, shot making, he's very physical. He, he's good at penetrating the ball. Um, cons, not much of a shot shot maker necessarily. Like his three point shooting is a little jacked. Um, he had a lot, to me this year. He had a lot of bonehead turnovers. Like I felt like there were a lot of times when you're like, there's those times whenever plays happen, you're like, Whoa, I can't believe NBA players just made that play. I feel like there were. A lot of those with Tyreek this year, maybe 12 to 20 times that he just threw the ball to somebody who wasn't even looking or, I don't know, dribbled off his shoe or something. And I could be, I could be hating just a little much, but I actually did. I liked, I liked what Tyreek brought. Like I liked some of the things that Tyreek brought, like most of the season there was, he definitely added um, a really good scoring punch off the bench. Um, Yeah. He averaged over 10 points a game. So another guy over double figures. Him and Sabonis had a really good thing going in in the uh, off the bench unit, and um, but it it just it just didn't really work because when Oladipo went down, like we needed Tyreek to be that guy that could it's the uh, Eastern Conference semifinals against Boston rather than the first round, and. You know, Tyreek comes in and gives us 14 points in 21 minutes. But instead, we were needing him to play like 30 minutes and give us 20 points. And that's just not really where he is in his career. And that's not who the Pacers wanted. We wanted him to just be a much improved Lance, probably, I would assume, is what they were looking for. Um, and he showed that. I think for, I think it was definitely worth the risk. I don't think it was a bad, uh, bad call to bring in um, Tyreek. It's just like when you lose your best player, it's like it makes everything about the seasons you're you're able to question it. Like, well, it would have been better not to bring in Tyreek because, but it's like you can't you can't really t- talk about it like that because when you brought him in, you anticipated having Oladipo, and I think it was a good move. I I support that decision, um, but Oladipo went down, and the Pacers weren't going to be able to do anything this year without him. And Tyreek wasn't really going to help that. So it just, you know, it's just kind of like, well, we tried, but uh, it didn't work. Um, I like Tyreek. He was a good player. Like I said, averaged over 10 points a game. Pacers took a chance. It just didn't work. Um, Going into next year, uh, unfortunately, Tyreek got suspended for two years, actually, um, for violating the drugs of abuse policy with the um, with the NBA. And I looked that up. I was like, what, what are drugs of abuse? Basically it's just kind of like, um, I think like even LSD or who knows what Tyreek was partying with, but pot is not on it. So it's not just like he's smoking pot. So he was doing some other drugs. Um, and he must've failed a couple tests because 
that's what happens if you if you 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 reach these certain levels and if you keep failing the test. Um, so that's unfortunate for Tyreek. Um, you know, but whatever, teach their own. Um, I'd be hoping for a comeback in t- with Tyreek. He's a really good player. Um, after this two-year suspension, suspension, he's still only going to be 32 at the next start of the next season. So he could work on his game. He could he could become a knockdown shooter. I could see him playing a role kind of like Vince Carter did uh, after he tailed off his career, where he's just a knockdown three-point shooter who can still take guys off the dribble and finish inside. Maybe I don't know. Uh, but that's that's Tyreek. The stock stock sold on Tyreek. Um, I just wish him the best. Hopefully, hopefully we see a comeback from Tyreek in a couple seasons. Um, all right, and the last guy I want to talk about on this player recap is Wesley Matthews. Wesley Matthews undrafted from Marquette. I think he played for Tom Crean before Tom Crean came to Indiana. Um. Pacer signed Wesley at the beginning of February after Oladipo went down like late January. And it was kind of like, all right, what are we going to do? You know, just lost our best player for the season. Um, We're sitting in the third seed, I think, in the Easter Conference. Uh, We've got guys like Bojan Bogdanovic, who's playing really well. Sabonis has been playing really well. Miles Turner has been playing really well. Um, Collison was playing just fine. Pacers were humming, man. Like, we were having a good season. We had an easy schedule, for sure, but they were winning games. Oladipo was... I mean, it just sucks that Oladipo went down. Um, But after the Oladipo injury, the Pacers were faced with the question, like, all right, are we going to just... We want to keep this thing and and see what we can do, or do we want to try to pivot to maybe playing, like, younger guys? And the... Kevin Pritchard and the ownership and, and Nate McMillan, I'm not sure who decision, whose decision it was, but they decided to, to try to salve it, uh, salvation? What was that? What's the word I'm looking for? To save the season. And we brought, signed Wesley Matthews uh, to, the, to, for, to contract for the rest of the season, probably with the hopes that he could bring us like 75% of what Oladipo did. Uh, Matthews came in signed onto the team and immediately took a starting position, which he basically just took Vic's spot because I think when Vic went out, they, they might've started uh, Tyreek for a while. Um, but I think that was, uh, well, actually I'll, I'll get into if that, if I like that or not. But uh, like when you look at somebody like Wesley Matthews or not somebody like him, specifically Wesley Matthews, what he brings to the team to me uh, in order would be three point shooting, uh, it's always nice to have someone who is going to make open threes. He's aggressive. He's tough on defense. And his veteran presence, I thought, would be is a good thing. It's, it's, it brings value to the Pacers. And I thought he did a good job of you know, leading this team with Thad Young um, after Oladipo went out. And his cons, however, you know, obviously... He's on the older end. He never seemed to, I mean, he played tough defense, but he just seemed to be a little little bit slow, in my opinion. Um, same with his just athleticism is, you know, I mean, this is a, this is a, you're looking at a league with, I mean, just amazing athletes all across the board. So by calling, by calling such an amazing athlete, saying that their athleticism is a con feels weird but 
just compared compared to all the other NBA players, Wesley seems a little slow. Wesley seems maybe a little bit uh, a little older, um, but he's still tough. He's still a good leader. He's still a knockdown shooter. Uh, he still gets in guys' grills. Um, but unfortunately, he does still sling arrows, which I'm not a big fan of. But I definitely do when he makes a three. I, 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 I sling the arrows. Uh, so back to the question. Was it worth it to bring in Wesley Matthews this year? Um, on one hand, and probably my decision would be yes. I support it. Um, I think it's I think it's it it's very valuable to keep the culture consistent uh, within an organization. The Pacers, to me, this just proves that the Pacers are serious about what they're doing, um, because it's like uh, we got we've got Turner, we've got Sabonis, we got Vic. Um, we we want to win right now, and they were winning right now, and then you lose your best player like Vic, and everybody knows that you're not going to win right now, but the culture is set in, in such a way that we are approaching every game like we're going to win it. And I thought it was, um, cause you got these free agents, right? We, I mean, the Pacers knew that there were all these guys that weren't going to come back. So like, I think we owed it to guys like Turner and guys like Sabonis, like, we want you to win. We want you to, to, we want these games to matter. We want to be in the playoff hunt for seeding, for home court advantage. And that's what happened by bringing in Wesley Matthews because he kept us competitive enough um, where we, yeah, we weren't going to make it to the finals. Um, I thought there was a chance we could win a playoff series, which we didn't even win a game, but that doesn't necessarily mean that it was a bad decision. Um, the downside is that the young guys, like who I'm super high on, like I love Edmund Sumner and I love Aaron Holiday, they didn't get a chance to play this year really because we signed Wesley Matthews. So I get it if you want to say that was a bad decision to bring in Wesley Matthews because now you don't even know if Holiday can play, you don't even know if Sumner can play. Uh, and, and what are you going to do with Matthews? You know, like are you going to bring him back? Uh, if it, but Think about it on the other side where it's like, yeah, but we were able to stay competitive. We didn't tank. Guys like Sabonis kept playing in big games. Guys like Turner kept playing in big games. Um, and who knows what we do with, you know, all those other guys like Thad and Kojo, you know, maybe, I mean, those were big games and, and Thad got to be a leader. Um, McMillan coached in important games. Like, I just think it's, a, I think it's good that the Pacers didn't just say, okay, well, we're not going to win this year. But I also I also get like maybe that's smarter if we would have not gone out. It, it's it's I get it, I see both sides of it. Um, you decide. What do you think? Should the Pacers have taken Wesley or signed Wesley or not? Um, regardless, I don't think he'll be back next year. Um, but I do appreciate what he brought to the team this year, and I would be fine with him coming back off of off of the bench um, because I think he does embellish the Pacers culture a lot with the toughness and togetherness and trust. And, uh, he knows Nate McMillan. He, he played for Nate, uh, when, when back in Portland, uh, when, when he just entered the league. So I don't know, will he be on the Pacers or not? I, I would say probably not, but I'd be willing to know what's, what's the price tag for Wesley Matthews. 
Can we get him on a really cheap deal? Uh, because I think he'd be someone I would love to. I mean, I think him and Vic, like the, he's just one of those guys that just it seems like they would he would get along really well with Vic. Um, but what does he bring in on the court? And, and can you upgrade him there? And if you bring back Wesley, um, what about Sumner and what about Holiday? Is, is he going to be playing over them? So I don't know. Maybe you let him go, and maybe next year is just a, it's it's just like super young Pacers. Um, who knows? But that's what I think about Wesley Matthews. I like him, um, and I would be holding. I'm holding right now my my Wesley Matthews stock. So that is all of the player recaps I'm going to do for tonight. But what I've got left is Thad Young, Bojan, Sabonis, Turner, and Oladipo. Now it starts to get really fun. Um, I'm going to do another podcast. I'm going to do another episode once I go through and kind of come up with my recaps of those players. Um, And then next, let's see, Thursday, the 20th of June is the draft. So what I hope to do is get um get this podcast up with the rest of the guys on the recap and maybe do a little pre-draft podcast just kind of i'd like to look at the uh like the draft boards and guides and and see like all right well what would i do if i what would what should the pacers do with that 18th pick um i will say i did hear a rumor which i would definitely be interested in and who knows what will happen by the time i record next but uh it was would you trade oh this was on reddit uh, on Pacers Reddit page, would you trade the first round draft pick of 2019 for um, Robert Covington? And my answer would be yes. Robert Covington's a three and D, like six seven, a uh, guy from Minnesota. I think he's on the clock for like, or not clock, but the next two years, like ten mil a year. So to me, he would basically replace like Darren Collison. But I haven't done my draft analysis yet. Who knows? Maybe it'll be somebody, somebody um, that which. Maybe it'll be somebody that I want the Pacers to draft instead of taking Robert Cummington. Uh, but if if you were able to draft a player and he turned into Robert Cummington at the 18th pick, I think that'd be a hit. So if you know you can go ahead and get Cummington now, I would say take the take it. Um, but we'll see. Um, I think that's all I got. I did see one cool thing. So. Another cool thing about uh, the Pacers I wanted to share is one of our own, uh, the Fort Wayne Mad Ants second round draft pick last year, Alze Johnson. Uh, it's cool to see when guys do good things in the news. I mentioned earlier, you know, about Tyreek um, and the drug thing, but like there's guys doing good things out there too. And that's like Alze, he did a, so he's got his own foundation and he donated, basically paid for three NBA size courts. Um, in his hometown of Williamsport, Pennsylvania. And uh, I looked up the article on that. It's pretty cool, um, especially for a guy that, like, you know, Alizé, sure, he's he's definitely making more money than I've ever made in my life, but he's not one of those $30 million a year or $10 million a year guys or an NBA vet who's been able to rack up the millions each year. I mean, he's a first-year player. He's working on his rookie deal, which is, I don't know, he, he might make, maybe he made a million dollars last year. Regardless, um, it's just cool that he's given back um, at such an early point in his career. It just makes me like the guy. So um, that definitely gives gives him a little boost in my book. So good job, Alizé. That's cool. 
And I think that's it. I've been rambling for 45 minutes. It's uh it's good to be back. Good to be back on the pod and looking forward to doing these last last five uh, players, especially um Miles Turner. I've been watching some film on him and I'm looking forward to the draft, looking forward to free agency. Uh it's just a good time to be alive. Hope everybody's doing well. Um, sorry for the gap in in uh, pods, but that's just how it goes uh, during the off season. I'm trying to figure out what I you know what I'm doing here. Uh, so thanks for checking it out. Have a great week. Peace.